Welcome to another episode of the Crypto Conversion Podcast. On today's episode, we have Carl Kilb and Eddie Cullen. Uh, Eddie is the CEO of Crescite, and um, I need to figure out what Carl's role is. I feel super unprofessional. Um, I'll, I'll They're both co-founders. <laughs> They're both co-founders, yeah. And both extremely connected and intelligent in their own way. Uh, especially with the conversation that we had, Eddie just Eddie really has a good grasp on what's going on in the crypto space from a news standpoint, a current event standpoint, and we just kind of let them tell us about Crescite. It's a it's a Catholic project. Um, we haven't had a project on the podcast yet, really, from a founder's perspective. So, I mean, I guess we kind of did, but that was an NFT, so I I don't want to play you know an ai hits, somebody found an ai project that's a founder specific web sure, three though crypto project token crypto, this is our web three token. our podcast is called crypto conversion not <laughs> yes. ai conversion we've we've been we've been blessed by the seo uh arbitrators that uh that be on on the views and we appreciate that uh thank you everybody who's been tuning into those episodes but yeah we're, we are a crypto project or crypto uh podcast so yeah. you know I, I don't know what you guys thought about the episode i thought it was great to make those connections with those guys at least um from our standpoint uh, yeah, yeah i, th- I think it... oh, you go ahead i was just gonna say it's always great to talk to builders that's i think probably the biggest focus of a podcast talking to people who are actually building things on web3 building things around this space so yeah it's good to have anybody who's building projects on yep no always good to see you know Catholic or Christian builders in the space. Um, good to get that perspective, get that foothold. Um, we were talking right after the podcast, um, you know, some other connection that we both knew and met and and who's also Catholic and working in Web3 in a, in a different space. And so it's um, fun to just build that network. Um, and then I thought it was good. I, I've been following the project um, you know, on my own and, and, um, they were able to flesh out some of the things that I wasn't seeing. Um, and so it was good to just have them. Yeah. Have them talk about it. Yeah. And I, I saw them back in January in St. Louis and I had, they were kind of, uh, on my list of people. If we were, if I was ever going to do this, I would want them on. Um, I guess I just didn't understand where they were from their project standpoint and where they were in the building phases of it. So, um, I hope that the audience uh, can take something from that and uh, learn something new. Um, we are obviously uh, not financial advisors, so we're not telling anybody to go invest in this project at all. Um, and, but this was a really good educational episode in terms of learning what else is out there um, from Christians, fellow Catholics like Matt and myself, who were actually building stuff in the Web3 space. So. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Uh what what uh what's been happening this week? We have a couple of uh interesting stories that um we can we can dive into a little more. I did just World want to take coin. a moment to point out that uh I'm wearing oh, a Bitcoin you? Bull t shirt. I got this from Bitcoin Miami twenty twenty two. But I did think with the horns it almost looked that. a little it looked a little demonic. So I wanted to make sure people know that the Bitcoin t shirt. <laughs> That's good. That's good. Love it. Love it. Um, I was going to say WorldCoin, uh, OpenAI, Sam Altman, the CEO of OpenAI, has created this token. It's a token. It's not even on its own blockchain. Um, it's a token. Um, you scan your eyeball and you get tokens. Would you guys do it? Would you scan your eyeball? I would not. Uh, clear? <laughs> what? Is that like clear, basically? I've yeah. never heard it. No, they're already doing it right now. What do you mean? Like the they these orbs are already out in distribution and people are scanning their eyeballs. The orb. Yeah, the yeah. Orb. clear no Matt, clear is clear is like the is you, you ever see at over at when you do TSA, there's like those kiosks where people are um putting their faces up to. That's clear. Interesting. Okay. Yeah, yeah maybe so it's th- like there's that. already something like that. It's like another level of uh TSA pre-check. Interesting. I mean, in a sense, I what I've seen is a lot of people, um, you know, who are trying to take the less conspiratorial route are, you know, pointing out that um, I think uh, their iPhones will have this option where you can scan your retina. 
um, and use that as your passcode or something to get into your phone. Um, and so, yeah, it's really funny that they built this orb though. It's like yeah. it's like a ball that's like this big. And uh, so it, it like looks kind of funny and, and it's, it gives people like an object to, to focus on. Um, I don't know. I, in my, like, maybe I'm at a different journey in my conspiracy theory life. Um, but I'd like to imagine that the government or corporations or both have already scanned my eyeball. You know, there's enough like cameras oh, yeah. out there. They have my face for my driver's license. So I, part of me is like, I mean, you know, I don't know where they're, where these orbs are located, you know, but if there's an orb, um, you know, maybe, tw- maybe you've, 30 minute drive. I don't know if I want to drive more than 30 minutes to an orb. Um, if and if you, the line isn't very long, um, then maybe I'd scan my eyeball. If they, if know. you have they traveled, give me a piece of pizza, I'd scan my eyeball. <laughs> if you have traveled in and out of the country the past like couple of years or so, they have it. Yeah. No, no question about it. They have something on you. So I don't know if they have you. Call, call a spade a spade. Yeah, but so do they have us? Uh, so this is like a very. I, I was reading about it because I was trying to like. I was trying to figure out this open distribution thing, and they are, are keeping this very hidden. It's not very public. Like this is how we're distributing tokens. So I'm skeptical of that. But um, uh, in their like white paper, they have like huge sections related to the hardware of this um, orb, um, and so it's uh, it's it's a very like well designed high end um, thing, and they're taking a very clear scan of your retina i I don't know i don't know well the other layer to this because i was actually going to come in and take the less conspiratorial approach but the other layer to this is that um it's using zk zero zero knowledge proof technology to basically Mm -hmm. store the biometric data so supposedly and i mean it's all open source um they're not storing your biometric data it's being stored i guess on blockchain i didn't quite clarify that but Mm -hmm. it's it's just a zero knowledge proof and we already know there's this problem, this Sybil attack problem, right? Whereas if you create a, a wallet address, a MetaMask wallet on Ethereum, um, you know, there's nothing there's nothing to say that you can't just create, you know, a hundred different wallet addresses and pretend to be a hundred different people, you know, on a, mm-hmm. on the blockchain or in a DAO's voting mechanism. And so one of the biggest problems I have with current the current Web3 system is that it relies on these these DAO-based governance tokens as basically the most equitable distribution of voting rights. I mean, if we had a system like this that really did have zero knowledge proof tied to biometric data, then you know that you're interacting with a singular person, right? And Mm -hmm. you could create like, you could create a much better DAO or just Web3 governance structure using this technology. It's just, Mm -hmm. do I really trust Sam Altman, you know, some tech overlord to take my take scans of my biometric data and not think that it's going to end up somewhere, you know, exactly. That's the difficult. So, so yeah, that that is the interesting, right? Because it's the the rationale behind this is Sam Altman is open AI, you know, chat GPT, Dolly, all these, you know, AI I'll be right AI. back. I got to do something quick. You can continue. Sure. Okay. All right. Um, all these AI apps. And so this is a, uh, you know, he's calling it a proof of humanity um, system. And so, you know, it's kind of incentivized with this token, with this world coin thing. Um, but yeah, if I can, you know, to post something on Twitter, do I have to have a unique something that tells me I'm human? You know, do I have to have, uh, you know, anytime, you know, I vote, uh, whether it's in a governance thing or even, in, you know, in real life, I, I'd love to, you know, if things become more electronic to have something like this is a unique vote, you know, I'm not bringing someone else's retina to the voting booth. Right. And I mean, yeah, they're I using mean. they're doing it the right way. Like if I were to go about it, yeah, they're using zero knowledge proofs. And, you know, I imagine most folks exactly. probably yep. don't really know a whole lot about that technology, but it's like probably the coolest technology or one of the coolest technologies out there for actual privacy. I mean, this is basically the backbone mm-hmm. of Monero, of Tornado Cash, of basically all the privacy-related projects that we like. Yeah. Um, yeah. And so this biometric storage database is just a zero-knowledge proof. Um, yeah. But, yeah, who knows? Who Sorry really about knows that. Um, yeah. So what's been happening with Twitter? That That's an interesting one. Um, what did you say with Twitter? 
I've never heard right, of Twitter. X. <laughs> um, yeah, Twitter never met her. Um, anyway, yeah, that's a who. Um, would you say that was a, was that a subtle launch or was that an abrupt change? I, I don't know. Uh, Elon just seems to do things and just it just it just happens and yeah. ask questions. Uh, just do and uh, he'll answer questions later. That feels like what what it is at least. Uh, we're 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 uh, it's Elon's world. We're just living in it at this point. Yeah. I think. No, it was uh, I, yeah. He so definitely I, acts that way, right? Totally sudden. But what's what's interesting, just because we're just talking about Worldcoin, is it actually corresponded to the same day that the Worldcoin announcement happened. And um, I'm actually seeing crazy. It's not even just crazy because it's basically a response. We already know that Elon Musk is in competition more or less with Sam Altman. He's one of the founders of OpenAI, but they split because it's I think Elon wanted to be these, you know, the head tech and uh, the CEO or whatever and it ended up being Sam. So, um but uh Elon it looks like he's wants uh, Twitter to be the everything app. So eventually it's going to be the platform that supports global payments, that supports the social network, that supports hypothetically this this uh, proof of humanity, um, you know, with your Twitter account. So I think uh, I think there's more correlation there between both of these announcements than some people realize. I, I think the branding was abrupt or, you know, it seemed like a quick change, but I, I'm pretty sure I've heard him reference, um, you know, X, the everything app several times before, you know, and so I didn't, you know, we didn't know whether Twitter would rebrand to X or whether, you know, that would be the parent company or what else. Um, so my, my complaint is that there's uh, two things. One is it's kind of hard to find my Twitter tab in the browser now um, because I'm used to looking for the blue bird and now it's a black X, you know? And so it just, I, I don't know. I'm, I'm, <laughs> It's hard to find it. And then the other thing is there's so much language and like kind of culture that was built around Twitter, right? You have tweets, you can subtweet, you can retweet, you know, what, like, what are we doing now? Is there going to be a new language centered around the letter X? Is it, you know, going to become more generic? Am I post and repost? You know, I, I, I don't know. Is X going to, so, you know, let's think about Elon here. Background with PayPal is he trying to build the kind of like a WeChat essentially? I think he's a lot of people build are the saying that, that it seems like he's trying to. <laughs> no, no, no but... I think it sounds like he's trying to build a WeChat where, where like you have yeah. that and it's your identity and there's yeah. everything related to it, including payments, which is a, a question about whether or not he's going to, you know, a lot of Doge people think he's going to incorporate yeah. doge into it somehow bitcoin people well, yeah, would like sure. to lightning like, well, network into our, it you know for the payment yeah. thing itself but yeah all of our no uh, news kind of corresponds today but that was the other thing is obviously the the bitcoin people are like elon like why aren't why aren't you using uh wait what was this who did jack respond to it wasn't elon was it uh, no 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 brian armstrong from coinbase uh, he tweeted That's something i should pull it up he tweeted something like uh yeah coinbase is working on a global payment system you know we want something that's instant you know yeah. low fees all that and then jack from twitter which no longer exists you know <laughs> died with him leaving i guess i don't know but uh jack replied and said something like uh have you heard of the lightning network and there's just a lot of back and forth um you know is the lightning network uh has it failed because nobody looks at it as a payment system you know is it able to support all this um yeah. you know are people trying to reinvent something um i don't know you know there's there's a lot of sides to yeah, it, i so. i conflated the two because because there's so much there's so much confusion with the news this week, but um, because there were a lot of Bitcoin people that were also like, because Elon's going to do make Twitter a global payment system, and they think he's going to be using Doge. Yeah. They would prefer it to be Bitcoin, obviously. But um, yeah. yeah, lots of uh, lots of correlation. Yeah, and then the Bitcoiners are obviously mad about Worldcoin. Hmm. <laughs> a lot of uh, yeah, everything's connected this week. Weird stuff. Well. Those were the two big things in the news this week. We're going to get into the episode. We were a little um, 
confined from or we we had some time restraints so a little shorter episode this week than what we usually put out there i know normally our episodes trend about an hour but uh this week it'll be a little bit shorter um that's okay though uh not every episode has to be cookie cutter in the same way shape or form um we hope everybody enjoys the episode um with carl and eddie from crescite and uh hope you all enjoy and uh yeah we'll we'll pan to the episode Joining us on the podcast today, we have Mr. Eddie Cullen and Mr. Carl Kilb from Crescite. They have made a faith-based token, and it's really rooted in Catholicism and initiatives that the Catholic Church pursues. And something that uh, Matt and I are obviously very keen on, considering it's our Catholic faith, and we have... Uh, We've been following the project from afar since we met you guys at the Catholic Crypto Conference uh, last fall in November. So it's been kind of something we, we, we checked the pulse on, considering that that's what we talk about on our podcast is kind of that, um, that intersects between Web3 technology and Christianity. So I uh, just wanted to thank you guys for taking the time to come on and uh, wanted to give you guys an opportunity to introduce yourself, um, your backgrounds a little bit, and... Then we can kind of dive into what Crescite is and uh, what what some of the project initiatives are going to be um, in the foreseeable future. Sounds, Sounds cool. great. Thanks for having me. Awesome. So I guess, uh, Carl, your background is is quite interesting. So I'll, I'll let you kind of introduce yourself first, uh, considering what you've done with your past in the finance space. Sure. Thanks, Brandon. I'll try to give you the broadcast news version. That's where it starts. I started as a <laughs> broadcaster, uh, born and raised in New York City, uh, went to NYU, uh, worked in the broadcast industry at a bunch of uh, TV and radio stations, including uh, the Financial News Network, CNBC, 1010 Winds Radio in New York City. Uh, put myself through law school at night at Fordham, a great Jesuit law school. Uh, went to the evening program while I worked during the day as a broadcaster. Uh, and while I was there, I was expecting to go work at a traditional law firm, but I got exposed to a Bloomberg terminal while I was at CNBC in the newsroom. And at that point, the terminal was in its infancy, but always being super interested in technology and the future, uh, I jumped on it. Uh, cold called Mike Bloomberg, uh, got a meeting with him, hit it off with him. Uh, long story short, uh, he hired me. I worked as a broadcaster in the morning, uh, ultimately became the company's first lawyer in-house, uh, became the general counsel, chief compliance officer, built out a global legal department, and had an awesome 22-year uh, run there uh, before I moved into some different entrepreneurial pursuits. Uh, but through it all, it's been a lifetime of technology and Catholic causes. And that's why it's such a thrill uh, to be working with Eddie now on Crescite to be able to combine the two and hopefully use tech to help the Catholic Church uh, really further its missions. Yeah, true, true Renaissance man on Wall Street, rare, rare breed, if I do say so. Uh, that Thank that's you. awesome. Uh, just hearing hearing your background and Eddie, uh, likewise. Uh, um, if you want to kind of give the cliff notes for people, I know you have quite a background with your time at Fordham too. Yeah, so I've uh, look, I've been in Jesuit schools for mostly my whole life. You know, I've been working uh, with the Catholic Church and technology for quite some time. So I. Uh, I haven't been able to escape the Jesuits. I, I went to uh, San Ignatius Elementary School, Xavier High School, Fordham University, uh, currently Georgetown. Uh, so I have a, a good relationship with Georgetown and and also even looking at a, a master's now in, in Jesuit education in the global world at Boston College. So so the true former, you know, two form of Jesuit schools, I, I try to keep and continue my education. Uh, and then on the other side of my life, there's been some, some good, interesting parts. You know, the Jesuit Volunteer Corps, uh, where I spent a year, two years in Phoenix, living on $85 a month, working and living with the poor, and then and teaching high school as well. And then spent a, probably the last 10 to 12 years with early stage tech companies. So zero to 12 people, or zero to 20, getting them from idea to concept to product. Uh, and then I, that's where I met Carl, kind of, you know, there were major players in the, in the New York City tech ecosystem starting to emerge. And Carl was one of them. I think I was still, you know, getting my startup wings behind me, so to speak. And we, we met and have known each other for quite some time. And, and uh, you know, other fun facts, I, I played for the United States in rugby. Um, so that's something that I did before. Uh, and then I also, uh, you know, 
I've been involved in the public sector from time to time, but mostly early stage tech companies. And Carl and I came together, it seems like 25 years ago, but it was only two years ago <laughs> mm -hmm. that we uh, came together to start Crescite, you know, have the first token. And, and we've literally, uh, you know, just been trying to, to build from, uh, from our own experiences and our faith and, and try to do something that is actually intentional rather than, uh, you know, I guess lack for a better term, uh, disingenuous or fake. Uh, we wanted to really kind of go at the core of, of something that was real and true. Yeah, that's, that's funny. In Catholic education circles, if you've went through Catholic education your whole life, it's like you can't escape that one religious order, perhaps, that you kind of fell under. For me, it's the Lasallians. I was in the Lasallian high school, then a Lasallian university. I wasn't even looking for anything Lasallian. It just happened that way. So you know that with people with Dominican institutions, too. That's yeah, it's it's kind of funny how the Catholic world kind of shapes and molds you uh, without even intentionally pursuing that. So, um, yeah, I, I guess one one thing well, this may, I, this may not I've be noticed, the topic of the podcast, but how does eighty five dollars no. a month work? Yeah, that's a great question. Yeah, <laughs> it's a good question. Uh, so I had four roommates, and it was uh, four roommates that came from very very completely different backgrounds. And we all lived together in a house uh, in Phoenix, you know, and I taught at a high school called Brophy Prep. Uh, we had a couple pe uh, people teaching at the Catholic, uh, I think it was Relief Services or Refugee Service. I can't remember. So they, they were there. Uh, one worked and two worked at St. Joseph the Worker, which uh, gave clothes to the poor every week in, in kind of a homeless district area in Phoenix. So $85 a month looked like, uh, you know, grilled cheese and tomato soup for dinner. You know, it looked like. Uh, you know, cooking to uh, us pooling together, I think $20 each for dinners for the month uh, to, you know, make sure you had 10 bucks for toothpaste and, and shampoo and, and some other things. And then, you know, you luckily you might have at the end of all those kind of amenities that you had $10 left over uh, to use throughout the month. Um, wow. So, you know, and it's funny, most people don't ask me about that. And it kind of, I think most people gloss over, but I did that for 12 months. So you, you kind of really get in touch with, Stripping away the bare necessities, uh, or sorry, not I wouldn't say bare necessities. The you know the things in life that you you may think that are important but are not necessarily. And, and the motto is room for life. So you kind of you know I did some wild things that year. I walked through the desert two miles without shoes on to see what it was like to be a migrant walking through the desert. To uh, you know uh, going to to Guatemala and working at an orphanage. So the school was able to kind of help us. Uh, you know, I was lucky. I, I got lunch every day at Brophy. Um, so my, my roommates were a little jealous, but yeah, that's, that's generally how it looked, right? It was, it was, it really was $85 a month. You got a check for $85 and you're like, all right, what do I do with this for 30 days? Um, you know, so a lot of grilled cheeses, which were, which were very good though. You, you must've perfected the art with the grilled cheese, but, uh, well, we can, we can talk about those skills another day. You can give us the tips and tricks. Um, I guess, Eddie, yeah, I was, let's, let, let's get into Crescite. Oh, sorry. I was just going to, with your background, I was, I was waiting to see if you'd mention it. Um, you also ran for mayor of New York. Is that right? I did. Yeah. So I, so I ran for mayor. I lost in the primary. Uh, I ran, I think, out of necessity with COVID. I think Carl will tell you the, the city was not, not particularly doing well at that time. You know, I think around homelessness as well. Yeah. You know, and I think Carl knows of a few people that, that know that position well. <laughs> so, you know, we've been... Sure. I, I mean, having having worked for uh, Mike Bloomberg at the company and then uh, seeing him become the mayor and doing such an exceptionally good job for 12 years, uh, it got to the point where Eddie saw a need. You know, frankly, uh, there's a big homeless problem in New York City. And uh, the introduction of tens of thousands, even hundreds of thousands of migrants uh, has made it even more challenging over the past year or two. So, you know, kind of in typical Eddie fashion, he saw a problem and wanted to solve it. That's awesome. Sorry, I, I just had to ask. Brandon, now take us. No, take us it's, a, it's, a great, it's a great question. And I was actually going to open it up to you and Connor to kind of let, let's, let's start digging into um, Crescite, some of some of our questions and even some misconceptions that we might have um, based on what we what we see from from our thirty thousand foot view. You guys are ingrained in it, so you'll know a lot more about your project than than we would. Yeah, no, absolutely excited to dive into the token kind of tokenomics. Uh, we're built on XDC, 
which I am proud to say is now a top 50 market cap blockchain as of as of this week. They're the top gainer the last two or three weeks. So they were, I think, you know, 100 blockchain. Uh, I think they were 100 market cap a couple weeks ago. They're now, uh, I think they passed Algorand at 45 and now they're at about 50. So I fully expect them to be a top five chain in the coming years. Um, and I think people have, it's, it's kind of flying under the radar, mostly because it's, a, it's around global trade. How did you um, so, get, can you, can you kind of enlighten us about XDC, um, why you guys chose XDC and what just, I'm just curious where that connection is because it's, 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 it's an, it, it's an L1 that I've hadn't heard of until I heard, until you talked, told me about it, Eddie, in November. So it's real interesting, right? You know, and, and Carl's got a lifetime of experience too, kind of with tech products and, and what works and what goes. And this was, I think, part of being thoughtful for the year. So we said, all right, if we're going to go out and build a, a token that is representative of Catholic values or Christianity or faith, we need something that has public and private networks. We thought we needed something that was public, you know, where people could just trade individually. We needed private because who knows, there might be academic records from a school that shouldn't be public or there might okay. be healthcare records that maybe need to be private or sometimes information needs to be private at times, uh, mostly because of, of laws and regulation. Um, you know, and I, I luckily have a very good co-founder who, has, who knows a thing or two about regulation and compliance and, and all that good stuff. Uh, and, and we actually set out to say, okay, what do we need to build something in the first year? So we actually just wrote the white paper over the course of the full year. Then we said, okay, what tech provider do we need? And we took our time. We took six to seven months to figure that out. We, we first actually went to R3, R3 Corda to look at some institutional elements together of collaboration, realized that they were just kind of a closed private network and we needed something else. So we needed, so then we just went down the rabbit hole. Uh, so, you know, Carl and I actually found XDC ourselves based on research, based on and looking, and, and that's how we have our current CTO. Uh, his name is Frizad. He's actually works with uh, Lab 577 BCB group. Okay. He, he built the bridge for R3 Corda. And it was the, the token bridge to a, a, a public network. And that was what Zinfin was originated as. It was called Zinfin originally in 2019 and then XDC. And, and what we loved about it was the whole mission of the chain is for global trade. I don't think people realize how big global trade is. It's a $28 yeah. trillion dollar market. It's exports, it's imports. And we, there was no transaction fees. It was a, it was a fork of, of uh, JP Morgan Quorum but also a fork of Ethereum. So you kind of get the best of all the worlds and it matched all the criteria. Now, would our project be, would that chain be good for maybe a, you know, sports NFT project? Probably not. But for us, it was, it fit the use case. We needed a public private network, low transaction, good energy usage. We didn't want to, you know, we wanted something that was versatile and they were focused on trade. So it seemed like they wanted to, to fight some of the same battles we wanted to fight. And our thought process was as Catholics, what if we, sent you know food from the united states to to kenya and we could eliminate some of those tariffs or some of those costs of cross-border settlement uh, so that that's where it originated and then carl and i kind of built the relationship with lab 577 uh the founders of xdc have invested into an investment fund that carl and i oversee within crescente so there's a lot of elements to 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 that relationship that has blossomed but we found them way before anyone knew who they were and then logically in my head i said it's around global trade. It's a matter of time before they're a top five chain. And they were 175, I think, when we met them, and they just broke the top 50. So I think they are going to continue to grow. But why do I like them? They don't do hype marketing. They don't do, it, it may not be a, a you know, a, I, I lack for a better word, like sexy type of blockchain with, you know, like card, yeah. like MBA and like this. It's, it's boring enterprise tech, but sometimes the boring stuff is the one that's the most impactful. So, uh, that's that's been that's been where it is, and then and Carl and I got to build a relationship with the founders and and others over time. So that's that's how we found them. No, and for sure. Boring yeah, one, boring profits are some of the best kind. Um, yeah. I'll go ahead, Carl. Yeah, just something I would add to that. You know, uh, uh, Eddie alluded to it, but the energy efficiency was was also a huge factor for us. You know, uh, speed of uh, transaction processing and energy efficiency. We're always looking to do things in the right way. And, you know, we're looking for uh, ways to facilitate global trade and you don't want to do it in a way that's going to be wasting energy and causing all kinds of other problems. Right. So the, yeah. the energy efficiency was a big factor for us as well. Yeah. As, as mentioned with Crescite, I know the ESG stuff is is something that you're you're pursuing. So 
it's kind of good that you're you're just putting the cards on the table with saying it without you know being pressed for it later on so it it, it makes sense in in today's world of finance and in investing so i understand and that makes a lot more sense in terms of the direction that you went it definitely brings some clarity which we appreciate you uh, yeah. explaining so eloquently um this might have been a, a good first question but i <laughs> i am kind of curious the sure. um larger vision of crescite so I, i've seen um you it seems like as i'm following the project it seems like you guys are going in a couple of different directions and so i'm, I'm trying to you know what, what what's tying it all together i've seen um we had father ian van Heusen on here um you know with his carlo cutis game um or whatever he was medical anyway I, I maybe we can go over that connection as well right but so you have um kind of virtual reality uh metaverse type stuff you obviously um you know doing stuff in africa and and you've been in dubai as well um so there's kind of this like international you know settlement and trade type of a thing um you know fractional I, I real estate yeah fractional real estate that's right that was the other thing right in new york city and so i i'm curious like it, it, what's what's um what's the tie what's What's the big vision? What's holding it all together? Yeah, I would say, uh, and I'll let Carl chime in too. When I think about, look, I, you're, you're, you're who you are from your past, I think. The president is rooted in the past. So when I look mm -hmm. at my life, I've, I've been a part of Jesuit schools my whole life. What have the Jesuits done well? They've built communities all around the world um, in different locations. And they've allowed the people within their community to focus on projects that matter to them. Um, it's a cure personalis approach, right? So in the ethos of that, you know, my career started in this tech where I actually met Carl, and I can't believe it's been 10 years ago. It's kind of crazy. Uh, is uh, I, I worked at a company called Grand Central Tech that's now called Company.co. It's founded by a couple of Jesuit school founders. Uh, I immersed myself in, in kind of understanding a little bit more about the Jesuits. And, and what they do really well is they're, I think they're the greatest public-private you know, centralized, decentralized network in the world, right? And, and what I mean by that is they have people in Spain, they have people in Australia, they have folks in, in Africa, they have folks at Georgetown, Boston College. Um, and I'm sure even Carl has stories of, of himself and, and family members at different Jesuit schools and, and how they're, they're kind of, uh, everyone is kind of united by a common ethos, but each of them focus on different projects. So when we build, we're building Cressete, I think the core of it is that we all kind of driven by the same mission, um, that we all buy a token and we're part of a membership community that gets to vote and build on projects. But we want to allow people to build their own projects within our community. Uh, and we want to support those people within those projects. So as an example, XDC Labs, it's a Creste project, but the managing director is, uh, his name's Mark Bush. Mark Bush is a professor at Georgetown University. He's an absolute expert on global trade. Um, and he's a he's a he's an expert on tariffs, um, and you know as an example, he's got a great story of X Men being shipped to another country, and then someone finding out that there's different tariff codes for non-human and human dolls. So they changed it from uh, human dolls to non-human, and they were able to get a discount on their tariffs. But now he's focusing on global trade and supply there, right? And you can use our token to invest in that fund. Whereas you might look at uh, another project the, uh, that we're doing, it's called Fractional Africa, that's coming up in a little bit. Uh, we've actually matured from the fractional real estate in New York to doing rent-to-own tokenization in uh, Zimbabwe, actually. Uh, I know that sounds wild, but <clears throat> the Jesuits have a presence in Zimbabwe. So you're going to use our token for rent payments. So the best way I could describe this, and, and, and Carl's great at this, at building community as well, is it, it's almost like the parts equal the whole kind of, where everyone's going to work on their own project. They're going to have their own cura personalis, which is a Jesuit term, carry the same person. But the same, you, the bonding effect is the token. So where does the token fit in the tech stack? Is it real-time settlement for border cross-border transaction? Is it in-game currency for a, a, a video game that we're building? Is it XDC Labs, where you can use our token to invest in, in startups? So there's real utility across different projects. And, and I think that's why we took a different approach. We didn't go out and do the normal crypto approach. We didn't build a token put it out on, on the internet, put it out on, on, on different exchanges, allow people to trade it, and then let people do arbitrage or trade or, or sell. Or, we didn't take that route. We went the utility route. We went, how can we use this in practice? Um, and that's why, uh, you know, and that's where we came up with the word crescitate. It means to grow, to increase. Um, so, so yeah, we kind of give our community the opportunity to work on their own projects and kind of 
give them, and, and we're all kind of united by the same mission, which is, I think, you know, just make the world a little bit better, you know, faith impact development, you know, work on projects that could have an impact on humanity and people, you know, and I think that that's where we come into play. So th- it's really more mission driven. And I would say we have one, you know, tokenization API that we sell like circle. It's more of, Hey, we have a mission based, I hate to use the word DAO because I think it's saturated, but it's a mission based community. That's there's 2.3 billion Christians worldwide. You get everyone on the same page. I think you can do some, some really cool stuff. So I don't know if you have any other comments, Carl, but that's kind of what I think. Yeah, if I could just add really quickly, I'll, I'll, I'll focus on, you know, education and financial inclusion, you know, and just like the Jesuit mission from the beginning has been education and build schools. That's certainly something we're looking to do at Precipe, you know, building physical schools and places that need them, but also building interactive learning technology. I mean, young people today, I have three kids myself, all Jesuit educated uh, kids today learn differently. You know, they'll learn through YouTube videos. Right. They want interactive learning experiences. It's not uh, everything out of a textbook like it was when I was a kid. So that's where something like an Akutis game comes in. Interactive learning using uh, video games, for example. Sure, there, there need to be physical buildings. I'm looking at those as well. And then you think about financial inclusion. Where for most people does that start? And it, it kind of, you know, it's like back to the American dream, owning your own residence. Uh, but for a lot of people, that's just simply not possible. They don't have the down payment. They don't have the ability to uh, get a loan. They don't have collateral. So the tokenization of real estate, fragmented ownership, is something that can make that possible. So if you really focus on education and financial inclusion through at least be, being able to own some element of your residence, those are really big picture items that can be uh, life-changing and offer uh, generational changes for for families. Very cool. I'm kind of interested uh, maybe to hear what uh, your argument for Crescente is on this, but also maybe a commentary on kind of the greater blockchain ecosystem. But um, we we interact with Bitcoin Maxis somewhat regularly. And, uh, you know, obviously their argument is one around adoption in that what is ultimately going to give Bitcoin its value is when everybody's on it. Um, but uh, you also see this in the Ethereum community as well, or Web3 in general. There's this this concept of all these coins and these projects need to work together on some sort of interoperable platform. Um, and that uh, through that, you're going to get kind of a synergy effect where everything now, you know, because there's an equal exchange, equal exchange um, and... Uh, that you know, I can convert my token to this token if I need it, or back to this token, and and so forth. That uh, there's a lot of value in in that effect. Uh, what what do you kind of view Crescente fitting into that? Is it uh, is it really just Catholic coin? Is it designed to be like its own ex- exclusive ecosystem among Christians, um, or do you think there's you know, and this is maybe even somewhat about the XTC blockchain itself, because I don't know if there's future plans for interoperability there. But uh, yeah, just where do you see that going in general with Crescente? Yeah, I think interoperability is is the right approach. You know, I liken to what's going on uh, now with blockchain comparable to 90, 1995 with the internet, when you had a flash player and you had to download 25 different things to listen to a, a podcast or an NBA game or something. I think eventually we're all going to just kind of start working together. Uh, you know, I think we, we probably like, I mean, we're so used to having phones and the internet access every single day, but we forget what it was like in the nineties and then early two thousands where we had to download so many different things and server clients and who knows to get there. So I do, do think eventually, eventually there's interoperability. I do think there's room for collaboration. You know, sometimes I like playing my Xbox, but sometimes I want to play my PS5. Right. You know, and I like, sometimes, you know, I look at it that way. Whereas look in, in our game, and some of the other projects that we have, we do use other chains. We have products where we use Celo, where we use Polygon, where we use other tokens that may just have better benefits. Uh, and I liken it to just, and I think that's why we got to remove the, the stigma of terminology, like the words like currency or, you know, NFTs, uh, you know, and, and I, I like to think of it as NFTs as proof of concepts for smart contracts. Or, you know, you got you to look at, I think, the functionality of the tech. And I think that's where we've gone wrong. Uh, and I think in the future... And I even think that right now, interoperability is just the king, right? Do I think it'll be one platform? I don't think so. I think it'll be multiple platforms working in unison to make things more efficient. So, you know, for us, 
yeah, we would love if a chain uses our token for real-time settlement of transactions. You know, maybe something's built on Celo or Hedera or Polygon and, and they go, well, you know, we'll use a Crestate token for real-time settlement to eliminate fees for sending goods to a country. Sure. Right. Like, you know, I don't, I don't think there's, I don't see it as competitive. I see it as exciting. Um, and I see it as awesome in terms of, of the way we're innovating to reinvent the financial system. I think it's, it's super cool and, and probably the most exciting time in the history, in my, in my eyes, the history of the world, you know, and, and I'm biased because we're all living now, but you know, I think it's, that, that's where the exciting part is. You look at Deutsche Bank and Society Generali getting crypto custody licenses, or you, you talk about EDX, you know, uh, you know, coming out in the non-custodial wallet, right? Like there's there's all sorts of or non-custodial uh, trading. I mean, so there's there's all sorts of interoperable opportunities, and I don't think it weakens things. I think it makes it stronger. Um, you know, and I like you know platforms like uh, Polkadot, right? That that kind of that layer zero where where things can communicate. So. Uh, you know, I don't think it's going to be a, a one token to replace them all type mentality. I think a lot of Bitcoin folks look at it that way, like, oh, like Bitcoin, like that's it. You know, I, I know I think it's everybody is going to and prosper in different niches of the, of the world. Like XDC is global trade, but I know they welcome collaborations with other chains, you know, so it's cool. I think we're seeing these kind of communities. I think it's a, a testament to our generation as well. It's we like communities working together. And those communities can help solve problems, but those problems may need different uh, solutions, right? Like you, you think of a car, a car nowadays is made up of parts from, you know, a hundred different countries, you know, mostly. So I think the same thing is going to happen with our financial products. You might have little pieces of blockchain maybe integrated into APIs that are in tech stacks. So yeah, I, don't, I don't see the, 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 the disadvantage of, of having people collaborate. I think interoperability is exciting. And, and fun. And, and I, I, I love it. You know, and I, I think people in the blockchain, I'm a big nerd, right? So I love when I see a new use case. I'm like, oh, yeah, this is awesome. Like, we could really use this. Um, so yeah, I think I think it's the future. Absolutely. So do you fall in the camp of like, kind of what Kevin O'Leary talks about, where crypto is more software than currency? Yeah, I, I actually would kind of fall myself there, because I think it is software, right? At the end of the day, yeah. it is software. I, I don't, I think cu- the currencies are just one part of a software that could have massive, maximal impact in the world, right? And, yeah. I, and I hate to, I think people also don't think of software and they think, you know, Windows 95 or other tech. I think, no. I don't even know if it, I think software he uses as, as a great mainstream term. I think it's just a technical innovation uh, to, to structure code in a way that we haven't seen before. Um, and I think, it is at the end of the day software and, and how people use it, I think is, is fantastic. So currency is one way to use it, but look at Ripple, right? Ripple, you know, they can use theirs for real-time settlement of transactions, but at the end of the day, they are, at the end of the day, it is a software, but, but I think remember that software is made by human beings um, and we made it. And I think human beings and how we use that software is going to be, are going to be the chains and, and layers that have the most impact. Awesome. All right, let's let's start talking about what's uh, what's next for 2023 for for Crestate. What what can people look forward to? What what is kind of what are some of the things that you're working on? Um, what are what are just some of those things? Uh, as we're uh, we're it's crazy. We're already um, seven months into 2023. So I guess just big big picture. What do the next five months look like? Yeah, so I, I'll go first. I'll, I'll kind of share some stuff. Um, we're seven months since our token generation event, which, and I think we've had a lot of success since then. Sure. Um, you know, the, the good part about, uh, and maybe I'll let Carl chime in in a second on this, on the XRP judgment is we're, we're fully kind of compliant from a regulatory standpoint. Uh, we actually got everything completely right before that verdict, meaning we filed an exemption. We did everything completely 100% compliant with that summary judgment, and we did it before it was ruled on. So I think that shows, you know, Everyone had to have intuition on this because no one yeah. knew the president, president was going to be set. And we, we hit it 100% on the head. We didn't, we didn't miss anything. Like we did it from an institutional standpoint. It is now encouraged us to get listed on exchanges. But the next seven months, August 2nd, so next Wednesday, is our, our first centralized exchange listing. So, so we will be on BitMart next, next Wednesday. Uh, we have plans for about 10 more throughout the, the next six months. Uh, we have adoption projects that we're going to grow including but not limited to 
XTC Labs that we mentioned to you. It's a $2 million early stage accelerator fund sure. uh, based in Washington, D.C. We have the acutest game that Carl adamantly mentioned, you know, still very early in that in those days, but, you know, a Catholic oriented game um, that you can mine for tokens in there. <laughs> you know, I hate to use the word mine because I know it has specific <laughs> meaning, but you can go find those currency. We have the USA UAE Alliance. So a collection of 100 CEOs that we're inviting to a conference in, in Dubai with the XDC founders, November 14th to the 16th. Uh, you know, we have, uh, we're opening up, a, a, some of our partners are, are looking at a hedge fund being opened to, to be able to invest in hedge uh, with the Crescente token and other tokens. Um, so we have, uh, and then Fractional Africa, which is the one I'm most excited about just because the impact it can have on the poor is, yep. you know, 1,800 acres we're looking at in Zimbabwe to, to, to basically build out and, and use our token as rent payments. So we have the first six months were always going to be about adoption. The next six months were always going to be about exchanges and liquidity and fine-tuning our tokenomics and, and getting uh, the community to scale. Uh, so you can, if in, in terms of investment, you could say that we're kind of past our seed round. Sure. We're entering, we're entering Series A territory. Okay. Um, and, and I think Carl, there are probably some other projects too that he'd like to mention as well. Yeah, and maybe I'll just focus on a few events. I mean, uh, you know, we, we caught up with you guys at uh, the Catholic Crypto Conference last November because we do think it's so important to have a conversation and to have, uh, you know, people of faith understand technology and, uh, and use that technology in, in beneficial ways. Uh, so we're sponsoring a lot of events, uh, not just with uh, Catholics and Christians, but with people that are uh, interested in education and interested in creating a, a regulatory framework that makes sense. So we do a lot, uh, for example, with the New York State Bar Association. Mm -hmm. We uh, sponsored an event uh, last spring that we now found out uh, won an award uh, for continuing legal education. And we're actually doing a second event in New York City on October 16th and 17th with the New York State Bar Association, other bar associations, uh, New York University. It'll be hosted at NYU. And the point of these events is to bring, uh, you know, best of breed expertise together globally to kind of uh, have a think tank, a, a collective brainstorming, if you will, and figure out, okay, what is the regulatory framework right now? Uh, what should it be? How do we evolve it to everyone's benefit? And that's something I have a lot of experience in. You know, it's hard to believe now it's 30 years ago, but 30 years ago, people were trading largely through floor brokers screaming at each other on the floor <laughs> of exchanges, right? Uh, back in the 90s, we pioneered the idea that there could be electronic trading. You could have uh, a digital order you could actually reach numerous potential counterparties electronically. You could get best execution that way and create kind of a fair level playing field. Fast forward to today, we see a lot of those same types of regulatory issues. And uh, there's just no substitute for putting exceptional people in a room and kind of talking it through. So Crescente does a lot of that, uh, you know, with the Crescente community. Uh, whether it was, you know, our involvement with the Catholic Crypto Conference or all of these continuing legal education programs, we want to be at the forefront of helping people figure out where we should collectively go. And, and to speak about the token quickly, you know, look, I, I'm very lucky to have a co-founder that has a ton of experience in this. Yeah. You know, in navigating a world that has not, the, it, the chapters haven't been written um, and we're at the epilogue and we got to write the next chapter kind of sitting around with Carl and being like, well, do we think this is going to be the next step? Well, we'll be the first one to tell you that it's been, it's been rewarding. It's been extremely stressful at times, right? Like, sure. you know, you don't know what's next. You know, you question decisions, you're not sure, but at the end of the day, I think our faith kind of drives us that we can get to a place that we're going to, we're going to, we're going to get there. Right. You know, and, and it's, when you look back, you're like, wow, we really have luckily accomplished a lot in the last, uh, Six, I, I like to think we, we started at the token generation event. That's where I usually do yeah. my benchmark because um, that really matters. Did, when did you actually get to that event? In seven months, we've done a lot. Um, and the one thing I'll share with you, which I think is pretty cool about the token, um, and I'm going to grab this just so you can give me a second here. Uh, yep. So I actually got this today. Um, so one thing that we're doing, like, I, I believe in currency and I believe in, um, in tokens, but I also believe that you got to look at the financial elements and still be financially innovative. Tokens need to be backed. And I understand that liquidity is, is there, but you need things to back the tokens. So a couple of days ago, we actually brought our first 30-year U.S. Treasury bill. 
um, to help back the token. And this right here, which I think you guys will crack up, um, and Carl, I'll show you this for the first time. So this is a piece of gold from the Holy Land. Um, so this is a piece of gold from the Holy Land, physical gold. Um, and we're looking now at ways to back our token in a way that, uh, you know, gives investor confidence, gives confidence to our community that, hey, when we come to vote as a DAO, which, which I believe you guys are you know, token holders as well, and, and we want to bring more people in, is when we get to a vote at the end of October and we say, hey, look, we want to back our token with physical gold, U.S. Treasury bills, maybe some Bitcoin, right? Like, so there's, there's an element of portfolio that we want to back our token. And I think that's to your point, Connor. It's like, can we work with other chains? Yes, I want to use some of those tokens, even back our own, even with physical assets. We've even looked at, uh, the one thing I didn't mention was staking, which I think is important. I wanted to bring that up. That we do have our staking platform would be released at the end of August. And not only will you be able to earn Crestate tokens, you'll be able to earn Crestate gold. Um, and other elements that we're building token-wise that we want to make sure that not only is the token, you know, something that is great from a membership standpoint, but there's also practical elements that we're backing it. But there's, you know, you can never really predict everything on the market, but you are best to, to predict um, how we can make the token thrive, especially from a yeah, that's that's awesome, Eddie. Thanks for your insights and bringing us, uh, giving us a look behind the curtain. There, um, I want to be conscientious of your time. Uh, I just appreciate uh, you both for taking the time to come on uh, our podcast here at Crypto Conversion. Um, as always, audience, please like, comment, review, subscribe, unsubscribe, resubscribe. Check out Crescite uh, coming to exchanges near you. It looks like going into the end of the year. Um, you can also use XSwap as well. Um, that's, that's been an interesting platform to familiarize myself with as I've, uh, looked at this project, but I wish you both all of the best, um, in terms of building that market presence, because I know, um, that's not always the easiest. I've, I've been in some early stage nascent projects and, and watching them try to try to build their presence so that accurate pricing is, is out there on the coin market caps and coin geckos of the world, uh, for price tracking is, is, is parallel and makes sense. It's not always the easiest, but um, yeah, nonetheless, it'll be great to to see you all on the exchanges and uh, the the market watchers and just see see how the rest of the market receives the project when they find out what it's really about. So um, hope to have you back and uh, wish you all the best. Thanks, gentlemen. We appreciate it. All the best to you guys. Thanks for having us. Yeah, thank you guys. We really appreciate it. Peace.